If there is a single sentence in all of the gospel that captures what Jesus' ministry of teaching really, really means, how it, it fits into everything that he says, everything he does, everything that he is about. Surely it is that phrase, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. It seems to me that that phrase that we hear in today's gospel and we'll hear again in the gospel text for next Sunday is a kind of hinge that connects where Jesus sees the people of God coming from and where he wants them to go. It's sort of Jesus saying, I know that you always did it this way, but I have a surprise for you in a kind of a way. Matthew gives us six of these statements, and so some of them were in today's gospel, the rest are next week. What Jesus places before his disciples and anyone else who wants to, to follow him is this new way of thinking that will shape a new way of behaving, a new way to live in relationships, a new way to enter into the very life of God. It, in many ways, seems to be a rather high standard. It certainly was a radical shift on how those who desired to live in communion of God would actually do that. For the devout Jewish follower of the Law of Moses and the Prophets, it was shaking for them. It would challenge the sort of current ideology that they had for their spiritual life. And it sets forth an equally demanding conversion to kingdom thinking. What was so challenging was Jesus saying that he didn't intend to abolish the law and the prophets, but he was going to fulfill them. And so he was saying, don't let go of that fidelity. You just need to point it in a different way and in a different direction. I don't know if they thought as we might thought, as we might think, and we would simply say, well, just give us some new laws, because it's easier if we know exactly what we can do and what we can't do. And even if we don't like the law, we'll deal with it eventually. But a new way of thinking is a lot more demanding. And so Jesus says, look at your tradition in a whole new way. And then he proceeds to give the examples. You have heard that it was said, as an example, that you shall not kill. But I say to you, whoever is angry with another is liable to judgment. Now that's a whole other matter than killing someone. Most of us wouldn't have, I hope, 
the audacity to murder someone, but we know we're capable of being angry, of nursing that sort of feeling of anger, of holding a grudge, of refusing to offer or to accept forgiveness, and sometimes for a very long time, for very little reason. And even, even when we think we have dealt with those kind of negative feelings toward another, sometimes it doesn't take much for it to all come back into our consciousness. A new incident might emerge. We find ourselves saying, see, I knew I was right. They're just as mean now as they were seven years ago. So the new insight that Jesus gives to us and to his listeners to the law catches all of us in its application. He says there's a lot more to right relationships than being in communion with him by just avoiding murder. I can say that I have many times heard people say, I think in confession, um, I've been a pretty good person. I haven't murdered anybody. <laughs> and so I can tell you as a confessor, that's a great relief. <laughs> because I, I, even after all these years, I'm not quite sure what I would say uh, if it was something other than that. And so obviously the question to us, if you haven't done that, what have you done um, instead? Jesus says that it's, it's not important to avoid murder, it's just that we are lifted into a whole new level of understanding what it means to be in communion. In other words, we would say he stretches our appreciation for other people. And all of the other examples that, that Jesus gives in this text say the same message. He is, at one point, in a sense, we would say, speaking with tongue-in-cheek when he says that, you know, cutting off a body part is a whole lot better than doing these other things. And no one takes that literally. We really don't think that Jesus means that. But we sometimes might say to ourselves, um, you know, I, it would be a lot easier just to lose a finger um, than to go into the work of reconciliation, of taking the serious rupture of communion and putting it back together again. At least I know a little surgical uh, procedure and I could heal in two or three days. Um, but it's going to take me a lot longer and maybe a lot more healing inside to bring reconciliation into being. Paul says that this kind of communion is rooted in the very wisdom of God. It's rooted in the wisdom of God. And this wisdom of God, Paul says, has been given to us through the Spirit. It's buried in our hearts. That mysterious grace of God, that incredible love of God, means that we have this wisdom that allows us to know and to choose. As the author of Sirach says, between good and evil, light from darkness, fire from water, 
life from death. That wisdom of choice is deep in our spiritual being. And we know, we just know that that's true, that Paul is true. We are taught by parents, teachers, our friends, our peers, as we go through life, but all of these teachings rest on that foundation of innate wisdom, that wonderful, mysterious indwelling of the Spirit of God planted in our very being. Paul says it so beautifully in that phrase, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, and what has not entered the human heart, what has been prepared for those who love God. Perhaps thinking that what God has prepared is to be a sharer in God's own wisdom. This remarkable love that God has for us expresses God's amazing trust toward us. Jesus teaching to his disciples using all of these different examples is saying to them that Jesus believes that human beings are capable of much more than just conformity to the stated customs and the laws of good conduct. We are capable of more, perhaps, than we might imagine. After all, the wisdom of God is ours, too.